Hello and welcome to this year's final Buff Stampede postgame podcast. The Buffaloes just lost to the Texas Longhorns 55-23. to uh, Alamo game started off kind of ugly, ended kind of ugly, just all around. Not a fun game if you're a Buffs fan. Well, the middle was kind of fun. I yeah. mean, for a second, it looked like they could at least come back. They made it a bit of a game by halftime. Um, I think if a few things went their way at the end of the first half, um, it could have been even closer. A couple of decisions early on in the third quarter uh, could have led to maybe a closer game. Um, but yes, the start was terrible. The finish was god-awful. Um, there were some good things in between, but th- it was kind of a mad game. So let's start with some of that in-between that we were talking about, because obviously it wasn't a great um, start to Colorado's football game, and it started with Sam Neuer, who, um, before the QB switcheroo, was through for 31 passing yards, 77 total yards of offense for Colorado, 46 rushing yards, but Sam Neuer threw two picks. And then Brendan Lewis comes in, and all he does is score a touchdown. Yeah, so what Sam was, I think, 3-for-13 uh, when he was pulled with two interceptions. So, um, obviously, he was playing pretty terrible. He was playing about um, at the same level he was towards the end of the Utah game. A lot of people were talking about um, a shoulder injury that he's been dealing with might have been causing him some problems. So they throw in Brendan Lewis, and it seemed to be the jolt that CU needed, uh, they go right down the field, score the touchdown on an unbelievable effort by Jarek Broussard, a, a play that probably should have never ended up in the end zone, <laughs> and somehow uh, Broussard made that happen. It, it becomes a little bit of a game after that. They go with Lewis again on the next drive. That one didn't go so well. Uh, they throw Lewis back in, and that drive doesn't go very well. Then they bring Neuer in for the two-minute drill, and I thought that was a really good drive. So I think by halftime, it was like, who, who do we even go with yeah. the quarterback? So um, going back to Brendan Lewis and his performance offensively on the first drive, a 26-yard touchdown pass to Dimitri Stanley sets up the touchdown. Uh, a 26-yard pass to Dimitri Stanley sets up the, the, the run by Jarek Broussard. Second drive, uh, they stall a little bit. He was 2-for-2 two two with 30 yards. In the first half, then Neuer comes in for the two-minute drill. He was two for three for 45 yards. Um, his only incompletion was that end zone pass to Matt Lynch. Um, and, you know, that's one that the Buffaloes need if they're going to try to win this game. Yeah, obviously, um, they ended up kicking a field goal there. Davis Price, very nice kick for him. I think it was his career long. Or Davis Price, Evan Price. Yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> Um, Evan Price kicks his career-long field goal. That was a very nice kick, but they needed the touchdown there. Uh, I think Matt Lynch, he's been great for this team. It was great that uh, he transferred to CU, played for his hometown team. They really needed him this year at tight end. I think he's had more drops than uh, (laughs) catches on the season, which uh, is obviously something you do not want for your tight end. Pretty, he does a very good job blocking, um, but it just seems like he cannot catch the ball. A guy that played a lot of quarterback growing up, played quarterback through high school, played quarterback to start his career at UCLA, so a late transfer into catching footballs. He's not very good at it. Um, <laughs> maybe not the greatest throw by Sam Neuer, but definitely yeah. a catchable ball there. It was. I thought it, I thought it was a great throw by Neuer. Um, so we go to the half, see you... Um, is within seven points. It was seventeen to ten, 
and then Sam Neuer ends up opening the second half. You were okay with that decision? I think it made the most sense at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think um, at that at that moment with what Sam had just done on that last two minute drill, um, and he's kind of the guy that has won games for you already this season. He's the guy that you trust to go out there and win. Yes, Brendan Lewis was electric, but can he take the guide the offense um, throughout that game and try to get a W for him? I don't know if he could have withstanded that over a full half of football. Yeah. Um. So it made a lot of sense at the time to go with Sam. Maybe give him a little quicker leash than they did um, in the third quarter. But, yeah, I, I thought it was fine to bring him out. So Shane is with us uh, watching on Facebook Live, obviously. Um, we like to do the Facebook Live every time we're doing a post-game podcast. You can also listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Shane says that pass to uh, Matt Lynch hit him in the hands. It, it did. did. It, it did, did hit him in the hands. The only reason I said it wasn't a great throw was it was kind of a rocket where he yeah. probably could have dropped it in there a little bit easier. Give him a more catchable ball. Um, I, I still, yeah, it, it was a pass he should have yeah, caught. Yeah, he should have sure. caught. Um, so Neuer opens up the second half. He's three for six with 25 yards in the second half. He had a good first drive. They had that targeting issue where they couldn't confirm that it was targeting, so they didn't call it targeting or a late hit when um, Sam Neuer was sliding, which obviously I know you were not happy about that call. Uh, well, yes. The thing is, uh, let's just talk about that for a quick yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, um, I, It's not that I wasn't happy that it wasn't called targeting. I don't, I'm not sure it was targeting because he tried to get his head out of the right. way. Um, he ended up making contact with the helmet, but it wasn't obviously helmet to helmet. He didn't lead with the crown or anything like that. Um, so I didn't think it was a targeting. It was targeting, but I did think it was a late hit. So what they should have done is called the late hit, reviewed it for targeting. For whatever reason, they didn't call the late hit. They just called the targeting, took it to review. When you take a targeting call to review, you have to confirm it. It can't just be stands. Right. Yeah. You have to confirm that it was targeting. Uh, Which I think is a good rule, too, if you're ejecting a player. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But um, it also makes it difficult to call targeting um, as well. So you should call the late hit, yes. go review it for targeting, see if it's targeting. If it's not, you still have the late hit penalty. Um, and they get because the it, it was because he was already sliding. He had already started his slide, and the Texas player comes in and takes his head off. Fine, whatever. Uh, Buffs get the first down on that one. one. One thing I and I do think college football is going to change it um, probably in the off season is that targeting needs to have two levels. I don't even know if it would have mattered in this situation, but targeting needs to be 15 yards have as one level, 15 yards plus the game. Um, you kick the player out. Okay. As the second level of that call. And you can go to review. But I, I do like the 15-yard targeting where you don't have to kick a, a player out. Okay. We'll see how egregious it is and leave that up to the referees and mm -hmm. the reviews. Hey, more reviews. I think that's what football needs. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, that game wasn't uh, long enough, was it? No, no, not at all. Four hours almost. <laughs> um, so Neuer, that, that first drive was fine. They got the first down on that one. Um, he passes it to KD Nixon in the end zone that was almost picked off, should have been picked off. Um, then they kick the field goal, miss a 37-yarder. And then the second drive, Neuer comes in in that, sec in that second half. They go three and out, and Lewis comes in for the rest of the game. Um, were you okay with how the second half played out offensively and the decision they made to leave Lewis in? Or to put Lewis in and leave Neuer in for those first two drives. 
Yeah, so it, it's really tough, um, and, and I kind of did mention that they should have had a shorter leash. Uh, it's tough because that was a good first drive that he had. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it completely stalled. It didn't end up with any points. It should have ended up with three points. Um, it also could have ended in an interception, as you mentioned as well. Um, probably if he throws an interception, then Lewis comes in after that. Yeah. It, it, we don't know how the game um, ends up from there. He misses the field goal, not Neuer's fault, so I didn't mind them really bringing in Neuer. No, I didn't either. But it was clear that when Brendan Lewis was in there, he was a game changer. So Yeah. Um, I, I see both sides of the argument there. Okay. So Brendan Lewis finishes the game. Now, honestly... After the first two drives, I thought the game was over because um, the turning point to me was the two straight touchdowns that Texas scores at the beginning of the second half. Yeah, and I think um, Shane O'Brien's mentioning that fourth and two. That was in between it, wasn't it? Um, you had one touchdown from Texas, and then they scored their second yeah, one. Yeah, so the 37-yard the, the field goal should was on fourth and two. So Colorado could have gone for it. They were at the Texas 19-yard line with fourth down and two. I mean, Sam Neuer is two yards tall. He's he's automatic, it seems, QB sneak. It seems like two yards is pretty much. We'll get to that. We're we're not at the fourth downs yet. It's on my it's on my sheet. But we'll we'll get to that. But yeah, um, the defense comes in. You've got two straight touchdowns at the beginning of the second half. See, the lead balloons to 18 points, and and at that point, if you're CU, you're like, what what do we do here? Yeah, and um, that that seemed like how they ended up playing as well. Yeah, uh, they they kind of gave up at that point. But yeah, two quick strikes. That quarterback was unbelievable. Yeah, the one that came in for Ellender <laughs> Thompson. Um, yeah, he, he was making all the throws. He was running the ball. He was very athletic running with the ball. Um, making all the throws, what do you end up? Eight for ten, I think four touchdowns. You've got it right I, next I to you. I do have it right next to me. Um, <laughs> He's looking yeah. at me. He's eight, got the stats eight, page well, up right next to him. Well, you have all these notes, but uh, eight for ten, yeah. Eight for ten, four touchdowns. I mean, I was correct. 170 yards. <laughs> um, he was unbelievable when he came in, uh, and it just looked like Texas became unstoppable, especially with how uh, B. John Robinson was running with the football, and they started giving him the ball a little bit more to start the third quarter. Um, so Texas just became unstoppable um, with CU's very, very depleted defense. Yes. So the depleted defense um, in the first half, CU seemed pretty good. So they give up the two opening touchdowns on the first two drives, and then it's punt, 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 field goal, punt, punt. I think they um, there were three three-and-outs in the first half for Texas, with Ellinger in at quarterback. Um, CU seemed to hold up besides that one field goal that they gave up after those two first touchdowns. It was the second half where UT came out and just destroyed the CU defense. Yeah, they were able to do whatever they wanted. Um, It helped that Sam Ellinger went out of the game for Texas. Um, Obviously, it helped them. Um, They had the much better quarterback, and and they were just able to do whatever they wanted. I think that had a lot to do with CU just not having any bodies on defense, too. Um, They were worn down out of gas, whatever whatever phrase you want to use, but they were dead. Let's see how many sports cliches we can use. (laughs) They were were out of gas. Out of steam. The tank was empty. The tank was empty. There it is. Um, So uh, you mentioned the 66-yard run. Right from the get-go for Robinson, um, they went two plays, 79 yards, and then 
Pretty Blackman easy. just had a tough second drive on defense where he had the pass interference and then gave up the touchdown to Moore. Yeah, um, I mean, go back and watch that pass interference play. It's probably the most egregious holding I've ever seen on Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> he's coming around on the tackle, and the tackle has him by the arm. Yeah. And Montgomery's standing there looking at the ref yeah. as he can't move, um, and somehow the pass interference gets called. That doesn't get called. Uh, so I, I don't even want to give because that play should never happen. Okay. Um, let's talk about coaching decisions. By the way, Makai Blackman, a great football player. He's been yeah. great all season yeah, yeah. long. Kept on making plays. He won really he good had he had a couple of dropped interceptions, too, a couple of passes broken up. He does he have a, stones for hands, and he'll even admit yeah. that himself. But he had a pass broken up on that drive, too, that was uh, that would have gone for pretty deep. So uh, it, it wasn't a necessarily a bad game for Makai Blackman. Listen, if you're on Facebook with us, if you are joining us on the Facebook Live, sound off. We want to hear what you think. We always love interacting well, with... Well, Justin has quite the take here. Yeah. We were living a lie. We would have lost to ASU and USC. ASU, yeah, maybe not at that point, but ASU at the end of the season, they would have definitely lost to. ASU was a good football team. Yeah. USC is a great matchup for CU. Um, they could pretty much run the football on their own terms against USC. That, that defense is terrible, um, and I actually do think they would have beat USC. Uh, the ASU, though, I think they would have lost you know, I, I, I feel the same way as Justin does. I think um, CU, at the beginning of the season, they played great um, against UCLA. They got really was, lucky against UCLA. Yeah. I'll admit that. Four turnovers, winning that yeah. battle. Um, but UCLA Neuer looked good against UCLA. Team. He looked good against Stanford. He did not look good after that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a good quarterback... <laughs> It's going to be hard to win. Yeah, uh, and Stanford ended up being a really good team. UCLA ended up being yeah. I, uh, maybe really good is too much. But Stanford, a good team. UCLA, a good team in the Pac-12 this year. Um, so those ended up being good wins. I think they got lucky against UCLA, but Stanford was actually a good one. And if you're okay, if you're listening to us on Facebook Live, let us know what you think about the quarterback situation. Should Sam Neuer have played the entire game? Did you like that uh, Brendan Lewis um, was in there as an experiment to see if he could get the offense going. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that Brendan Lewis, when it mattered, they had him on a short leash. They wouldn't cut him loose. Um, he threw the ball twice in the first half. Um, by the time he came in in the second half, I think the game was over. But the, you, you didn't see Cheverini calling a lot of uh, passing plays until it was garbage time. Yeah, even when they were a little bit into the game, it was, uh, what, a three-score game. But um, they had that third down, third and five, third and six. They come out of the timeout. They called the timeout on yeah. it. And they run the QB draw. They don't even trust Lewis um, to step up, to step in the pocket and make a throw. Um, they just tried to run the QB draw. It was a terrible play call. Didn't work out for them. Um, so you could just tell that they didn't really want to unleash him. Obviously, he started slinging it later in the second half, but I think uh, Texas just kind of backed off, and there were a lot more lanes to throw than in the first half. And then um, let's talk about fourth downs, because, you know, I always like talking about fourth downs. In the first half, there was a drive that – I'm pulling up my notes from the game over here. There was a drive that stalled in um, – in Texas territory, Buffalo's had a fourth and five at the Texas 46, and they punted there. Were you okay with that? Um, no, because at that point, 
Texas had just scored scored a couple times. Yeah. Um, you had to try to change the momentum there, I think. And the only way you change the momentum is by sustaining an offensive drive or getting a defensive turnover. Um, and so they had a great opportunity there to go for it. Uh, Texas ended up going three and out right away, right after it. So it ended up being the right decision. I just think at that point, where they were, where the football was on the field, I I would have gone for it there, but um, it ended up working out that that decision. All right, there was another the fourth down and two that Shane mentioned um, with the um, the field goal that CU missed. I know all season. I mean, were, were, would you have gone for that fourth and two? Well, it, it's so much easier to say that yeah. after he misses the field goal. Um, well, even before he missed the field goal, I was thinking they should have gone yeah, for it. Yeah, I yeah. Definitely, it definitely went through my head, and I did think yeah. I would have gone for it. Yeah, um, I just think it's a lot easier to complain about it after he misses the field goal. But yeah. fourth and two, like we were saying earlier, Sam Neuer was automatic uh, QB sneak. He's an automatic two, two yards, two and a half yards, whatever you need, 2.2 yards. Um, just enough. To get over the line, uh, the line to gain, I think you just run the QB snake and let him gain. And I think one of the things that we've noticed um, this season is the Buffaloes have been a lot more conservative on fourth downs than maybe you or I would have liked or maybe some fans would have liked. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that um, maybe Durrell needs to start going for it a little more? Yeah, um, and, and we'll see. You know, it could have just been something with he hasn't really been the head coach um, in a, in a long time, in a yeah. very very long time. Um, so maybe he's just getting a feel for making those types of decisions. Um, <laughs> it, and it kind of depends on like who's your analytics guy, who's in your yeah. ear, who's telling you um, what the percentages are. It's not all on Darrell. Um, so I don't. I I think that's something he can improve on. I hope that's something he can improve on because he definitely was very conservative on fourth down. Um, I think he made the right decision at times, but uh, today he made two pretty bad ones. I think that also might harken back to you know he was a coach last in what was it 2006. Back then it was automatic. You punt on fourth down, right? Mm-hmm. And now with the analytics, with the things, coaches are evolving. I think now to where they're they're willing to go for it more on fourth down. They're willing to go for two more than they do than they did before. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, so I, I'm used to them going for fourth down pretty much no matter what, yeah. especially if you're in your opponent's territory. That's the way Doug Peterson rolls, and I think that's the way that a lot of coaches are going. Um, I, I think that's something that Darrell can certainly improve on. All right, um, Buffalo's down, um, what was it, 18, get a touchdown, they go for two, were you okay with that? Yeah, you have to try to make that two scores. There. Okay. Uh, you're, yeah, 18 and 17, there's pretty much no difference. Yeah. Uh, 17 and 16, there's a yeah. very big difference because it becomes a two-score football game. All right. Um, biggest coaching decision I want to ask you about. Were you okay with the Buffaloes playing this game? <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah. What, what, what was the biggest coaching decision? We're going meta. Uh, yeah, I think for, I think um, when they traveled here, at least from my understanding of a lot of the timeline and, and some of these players not being able to play, when they traveled here, they did think that they would have at least 53 scholarship players. They ended up with 49 According to Brian Howell's unofficial count. Correct, correct. But I trust Brian Howell's unofficial yes. count. Um, <laughs> I do too. And, and maybe 48 and a half, considering Jared Mangum did not look like yeah. he was available to play. 
Um, and maybe some other guys yeah. that were suited up were not as available to play. Um, but, yeah, I think you're already here. You might as well play in the game. You have enough guys to play. I don't think you're putting guys' health in jeopardy by, you know, putting them out there or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think you go ahead and play. It's a bowl game and all of that. If it's a conference game, it, it might be a different argument, but it's a bowl game. It's supposed to be for fun. I'm sure all the players that were healthy and ready to go wanted to play, so just let them play. Um, how do and, you feel about that? Yeah, I think I think I think you play. <laughs> I mean, uh, how often does CU end up in bowl games? You're not passing up an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been five years since the last time they were in a bowl game. I, I say, yeah, you play. Yeah, that's why we're here because we can't pass up on an no, opportunity. No, absolutely not. I was not going to miss another one. <laughs> um, and overall, with the tough week that CU's had with. Um, uh, the way the game started off, how did you feel about how everybody looked on the sideline? I mean, Brady Russell was all over the place, um, encouraging his teammates. Sam Neuer, even though he got pulled from the game, was working with Brandon Lewis. They were talking. I mean, it, it seemed like there was a bit of camaraderie going on on the sideline for the Buffaloes. Definitely, for the most part. Um, yeah, for most of the players, there, there was definitely something. I liked the way that Sam was with Brendan. Um, he was definitely helping him working with him, trying to, you know, make sure that he was prepared, uh, especially even before Brennan went out. They had a long conversation. Sam was doing a lot of pointing. Um, <laughs> they talked for a few minutes. Um, pointing. Well, that just from my what, whatever yeah. I could see, I knew that he was talking about. Um, he was doing some coaching, trying to help Brennan out. Um, so Sam's been a great leader. He has all the intangibles you want, so that's exactly what I expect from him. Um, and, and same thing goes for, like, a guy like Brady Russell who um, has all those intangibles as well and was trying to get his boys ready to go. All right, overall, uh, your season recap. Obviously, Colorado was picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12 South, ends up finishing second there. Um, season went a lot better than people thought. Were we, li- were we living a lie, though, Vinay? I, you know, I, I think we were living a lie, but still, you you can't argue with a 4-2 record now. <laughs> Um, Buffalo's had a good win against UCLA. They had a good win against Stanford. You don't think we were living a lie, though? Well, I, I mean, they won the football games. That, yes, that's they did win the football like, games. They, that's what happens. Yeah. They go and play, yeah. and one team wins, one team yeah. loses. You but I do think their record was better than the team ended up being. Well, I think the important part about Justin's point is they didn't play ASU or USC, right. maybe the two better teams in yeah. the South, um, right up there with UCLA. So... Yes, not playing the top teams in the South. They did play one of the better teams in the North, though, um, in Stanford, a team that crushed Oregon, who ended up winning the Pac-12 championship. So um, there's something to be said about that Stanford win. Otherwise, maybe living a lie, it was a very fun lie that we really enjoyed. And I think you can see the direction of this program. Um, I don't think they're going to be a a one-loss team (laughs) in the future, but I think you can tell that Durrell um, can win football games and he can – take teams to bowl games, and yeah, um, I think that's really all CU fans can ask for right now, um, <laughs> considering what, what has happened over the last 15 yeah. years. We're not competing for a national championship <laughs> at the University of Colorado. Yeah, so for right now, um, it looks like Darrell can take you to bowl games. Um, we'll see about this recruiting class. I think you've heard my thoughts on the other podcast with Adam about this recruiting class, but um, if he can improve the recruiting in 2022... I think this team has a very bright future. I think we saw some of the 
um, reasons why this team has a bright future. Obviously, Brendan Lewis being a big one, but um, they've had they had some true freshmen play really well. Christian Gonzalez, um, Montana, Lamonious Craig <laughs> came out uh, and, and caught a pass in yeah. the fourth quarter, I believe. Um, that's fun to say. <laughs> uh, and there's just a lot of good young talent on this team. Yeah. Derek Broussard's a sophomore. He will be a sophomore next year. Nobody loses eligibility, so um, it's a lot of guys that have a lot of years left um, and, and some guys that I think can win some football games for. And if you're watching us on Facebook Live, let us know how you think this entire season went. Obviously, the last game for the Buffaloes, their football season is over now. We want to hear whether you were happy with this, pleasantly surprised. Obviously, two straight losses leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but the Buffaloes were 4-0, and no one expected them to be there at the beginning of the season, including uh, yours truly, and, probably and including well, you. Yeah. Um, so, Can we talk about the quarterback situation real fast? I know Shane kind of mentioned it here. I'm getting there. Okay, yeah. that's our I was, transition? I was going to transition into that right now. Okay. All right. Go ahead and transition. Here it, is. Ready? here it is. Ready? Listen to this transition. Just letting the moment breathe yeah, a little bit. Yeah. All right. Speaking of this season, obviously <laughs> higher, okay. higher expectations Speaking for next year. Um, and you mentioned the players that will be able to come back. Nobody loses a year of eligibility. Sam Neuer will be back for Colorado. Maybe. If he would like to be. If CU has a spot for him. There's obviously quarterback situation got changed a little bit with a transfer coming in for Colorado. Yeah, so I think the quarterback situation next year is going to be really, really interesting. I was, kind of, <laughs> I was telling Vinay um, on our walk back to our hotel room here. I, it was I, a gorgeous walk, by the way. If I'm the odds maker and I, I'm giving out the odds of who's going to be starting for the opener um, for CU next season, I think Sam Neuer would be third on my list right now. Um, you have, obviously, Brendan Lewis. I think he kind of showed why he could be the starter next year. Um, and then J.T. Shrout, I mean, I've been watching his highlight tapes. I've been reading about from all these Tennessee fans and all these Tennessee pundits, if you will, about J.T. And um, a, a lot of people in Knoxville wanted him to be the starter for him um, and, and wanted him to be the starter in the future for an SEC program. So it's hard to ignore um, bringing in that type of guy and a guy with his ability um, whether he can pick up the offense. I mean, it'll be just a really interesting battle. Um, and I'm sure Adam and all of us at Buff Stampede will be covering it as best yes. as possible. But um, right now, I think you have a three-quarterback a three battle, and it's a much different three-quarterback battle than they had last year where you had three very unproven guys. I think next year you have three guys um, that you probably feel comfortable with any of them starting. Yeah. What's interesting to me, though, is that Brendan Lewis, at the beginning of the season, um, Carl Durrell said he wasn't even close um, to, well, he didn't say he wasn't even close. He didn't say it that bluntly. But he said that there was a separation between Sam Neuer, Tyler Lytle, and then Brendan Lewis. It'd be interesting to to me to see you know how Brendan Lewis has progressed this season to the point where they feel comfortable putting him out in a bowl game. And Carl Durrell said this even before we knew how Sam Neuer played today. Yeah, well, that that's a guy that didn't have any spring practices. He he was an early enrollee. He was at CU last spring, but he didn't have any spring practices. Um, he didn't have any practices until August. Um, all of his learning of the system was through Zoom. Uh, so it was a guy that was 
really behind for a freshman quarterback heading into the season. Um, so I wasn't surprised that he was far away, but as you go through the season, as he starts to learn, as he's in these quarterback meeting rooms, obviously he's going to start to grasp the system a lot better, and I think we saw the fruits of all that stuff yeah. tonight. Uh, Shane said Lewis would be a great improvement at starter next year. You know, I, I think I agree. Um, he, to me today at the Alamo Bowl, he was making passes, he was throwing, and to me he looked more accurate than Sam Neuer. I felt more comfortable when he was throwing the ball than Neuer. Mm-hmm. He, he has a different type of ball than Neuer for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like Neuer is always trying to just like dart it around yeah. the field. Throw a fastball in there. Um, Brandon definitely has some touch on his throws, yeah. and sometimes a little too much touch. <laughs> With, you thought the Dimitri Stanley play had too much touch on it. Definitely. Um, uh, the 26-yard pass. I said, well, I said an absolute rope or something on Twitter, <laughs> and everybody thought I was being serious, but he just lobbed it to yeah. the corner. And, and you said if the defender had turned around that it, it, it might have been broken up or picked. Yeah, I, I mean, that was... It was in the right spot. He threw, yeah. he threw it in the right spot, but um, I didn't think it was a great throw. I knew people would go crazy on Twitter yeah. about it just because it was a big play. Um, but, yeah, he... He has a really good, back to the point, he has really good touch on his balls. It yeah. definitely looks different coming out of his hand than Sam. Um, and, and I don't know if it's a good different or not, but it, I think there is a sense of comfort with him throwing the football. And I I also think that the secondary really opened up for him. Yeah. There was a lot more wide open guys. <laughs> We're sitting up there, um, probably the best view that the media get yeah. at any stadium, um, right at the 50-yard line, so you see everything. Um, and just the amount of open wide receivers he had was way different than what Sam was looking at in the first half. Yeah, but for the two passes that he completed in the first half, mm-hmm. um, he did make some good throws there, I thought. Um, I want to throw some names at you, speaking of next year, and you tell me whether you think they'll come back. Oh, wow. Obviously, first and foremost is Nate Landman, who um, had an Achilles injury. He's a senior, obviously. Um, you think he'll come back? So what are we playing? Are we playing? Do I have to just give yes or no, or do you want? No, to you like can give me an explanation. Or, um, I think I'll put it at like a percentage. Okay. I think there's probably like a twenty-five percent chance that Nate Landon returns. And you think it'll be his decision? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I, you, you and I were talking about this. And I guess you made the point that um, his draft stock probably has fallen because of the Achilles injury, and it would be nice for him to have another season under his belt to help that. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think some teams will definitely be worried. It happens every year in the draft yeah. um, with somebody that is dealing with an injury. It kind of happened to Visca last year. Yeah. Um, he didn't fall that much, but he definitely yeah. fell out of where a lot of people expect him to go. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think he moved from like a mid rounder to a late rounder. Um, like I think before the injury he was like fourth, fifth round, yeah. and now he's probably gonna be sixth or seventh round if he does go to the draft. Um, it also could have helped him in a way, just because he's not a guy that's gonna test very well at the combine. Uh, he's gonna he he gets his edge in different ways. Yeah. Um, so maybe in a way where he's not gonna have a combine invite <laughs> might actually improve his stock. There's definitely a possibility of that, um, but I think that there is definitely a burning desire in him um, 
to to make a legacy here and whether yeah. he did that or not um i think he he was going in that direction before the injury but um i think there will be a little bit of a desire to come back i don't expect him to come back but i think there's something there um yeah and and the other point that i was making is that you know if you if you've been injured like that you you want to go get your money before you lose out on too much of it um with the it's NFL. the whole, yeah, it's the Spencer Dinwiddie argument. Yeah. Um, it ended up working out for Dinwiddie, but he ended up being a second rounder. Yeah. And if he came back um, and, and had a good season with CU, he could have easily jumped up in the first round. Obviously, he has the talent and ability yeah. to be a first rounder. Um, so I I think it's, it's a very tough decision. I'm yeah. glad I'm not making that yeah. decision. Okay, KD Nixon. Ooh, this one's tough. Um... I, I I think it's so tough that I'm just going to put it 50-50. Is that kind okay. of a, a cowardly answer? But but tell me why. Well, I, the big reason for the 50% uh, that he leaves is kind of what happened last year. Um, he wanted to go to the NFL draft. He declared, and then he kind of got talked out of it, um, which ended up being a good decision for him. But he didn't have a great season at all this year. Uh, he was hurt for... The first yeah. part of when they were winning, um, <laughs> n- not that those two that that they had anything to do with uh, yeah, each those other. Don't, yeah. Those don't correlate. But um, yeah, he didn't have a good season, so he didn't improve. His he'd still be undrafted. But I think there's just something about him that he he's going to want to go to the NFL, and that's why I have him fifty fifty. And do you think if he wants to come back, Darrell has a spot for him? I think so. I think yeah. he's proven himself enough as a leader um, of that wide receiver group. Uh, maybe n- not in terms of ability, but they did give him a handoff today, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think if they used him like that, it could actually help his draft stock because he can show that um, he can do a lot of things for you as an NFL team, and he's not just an outside wide receiver, which has basically been what he's been during his time at CU. Mm-hmm. So um, if he... If he's smart about it, I think he comes back and Darrell and Chev kind of pitch him in a way that's like, we're going to utilize you in a bunch of different ways. We're going to move you all around the field, um, and that's why you're going to be able to have an NFL career. It's not going to be because you're a dominant outside wide receiver because you're you're not. You're not one of the top wide receivers in the country. Um, And he might have that ability. We haven't seen it, though, in the four seasons here, so... Um, I'd like to see him move around and prove that he can be an NFL player. All right. Uh, Mustafa Johnson. This one's also 50-50. I hate to do that. But um, he's another guy that I, I don't think improved his draft stock this year. Uh, and most of that's the fault kind of of the defensive scheme. Uh, he's been playing really good football. He's still one of the best players on, on defense. Uh, I just don't think he put up the numbers to become a high draft pick. He's probably a late-round draft pick. And the thing about Mustafa, and we always have to bring it up, especially when we talk about the NFL, he's short. Yeah. He's, he's not even six feet. And I know there's a guy named Aaron Donald that's super, super domi- dominant in the NFL, um, but those types of guys just do not get drafted often unless you put up incredible numbers um, in college. And so he's going to have to make the decision on whether or not he if he comes back next year, if he can put up much better numbers and improve his draft stock. If he thinks he can't improve his draft stock, which I think there's an argument for that just because of the scheme and what he does in this defense, 
Um, then I then I see him going to the NFL draft. All right. Um, we obviously talked about Jaron Mangum today for different reasons. You don't think you you think he might be leaving? Yeah, I, I, we're probably gonna find out about that tomorrow. He's been yeah. teasing it already on Twitter. Um, I don't think that's a secret. Uh, he didn't have his helmet on for the entire game today. Uh, I think so. I, it was obvious he wasn't yeah. really involved in the game, and so just every single sign points to he's entering the transfer portal. Well, to quote Mel Tucker, there are no transfer portals in real life. Yeah, that's because you just leave. You don't have to <laughs> transfer portal. You're just like, all right, I'm out of here. Is, is that what he job. did? You get recruited by yeah. somebody else while you're still on the job, <laughs> and then you just and leave. Then you, and then you tell them that <laughs> you're you're not leaving. Just so you're, you can what, what negotiate did, more did money. Did Tucker want him to put in his two weeks and say, yeah. hey, I, I, I'll be gone? I don't know. Um, um, but, yeah, yeah uh, speaking of which, I guess Michigan State could be an interesting landing spot for um, a kid that is from Michigan. Okay. And was heavily recruited by Michigan State. But I don't know I, I don't know if we'll get that type of interest from Power 5 schools um, to be able to yeah. end up at a school like that. And that this is all speculation. He hasn't announced anything. No. It's just all the signs are pointing to that, yeah. especially what happened tonight and what he's been tweeting over the last couple of weeks. Um, Carl Durrell, is he is he back next year? Yes. Yes? You think he did a good enough uh, job this year I, to, I, I uh, like, to stay? I imagine myself being asked that question after the last game of the season last year, <laughs> just being like, what are you talking about? Mel Tucker leaving? <laughs> uh, no, but Carl Durrell... He's preached that he's here to stay. Um, you think you and, think it's his decision? And, and I believe him this time. You think Rick is uh, calling him tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> I, I, Black I think Monday? he's going to get to keep his job. Yeah, okay. I think he's done a um, good job. Does Darren Cheverini stay um, play caller next year? Do you think he did a good job this year? Yeah, I think he did. I think he showed improvement from yeah. his play calling in 2018. Um, and that's just one of the big things you could ask for. And I think he's become a very good... He's had a much better understanding of the run game. Yeah. Um, obviously, that shows in all the numbers. But uh, I think that was his biggest improvement this year, and I think he's going to just get more and more comfortable calling games. And, yeah, I definitely expect him being the play caller. All right. Um, if you have any... You're going to ask me about Tyson Summers? Uh, Tyson Summers. Uh, not, <laughs> not this year, but I do think that's a guy that's going to be bound for a head coaching job again Yeah. Um, for the second time in his career. He was a little bit young the first time. Uh, during his first stint at Georgia Southern, and I just think he is bound to have a head coaching job sometime. And you know what? He called a great game today, at least for one half. Um, when yeah. they put in the backup quarterback, it changed things. Um, and, and obviously the CU defense was worn down, so I don't think any of that was really no. Tyson Summers' fault. Um, but he's a, I think he's a great coordinator in college football. He was a Broyles Award semifinalist, I believe, mm-hmm. this year. Um, which goes to the top assistant in college football, and I think that's a guy that he's going to end up with a head coaching job, and that's great news for CU to be um, developing guys yeah. that get head coaching jobs. And I think Darren Cheverini will be the same type um, somewhere down the road. And the, and that's one thing I re- one reason why I really believe in the direction of this program and what Darrell's doing. I think they have a great coaching staff. We're just about six minutes past the midnight hour. Out in uh, Colorado here, it's 1.06 a.m. If you're still with us, first of all, thank you. Um, send us your final thoughts on this game and this season as a whole. We want to hear from you. And Chase, before we log off, I want to hear your final thoughts on this game and this season. Final thoughts on this game? Well, I kind of tweeted it 
uh, I don't know if people saw that, but I was like, it's, I'll, I'll try to paraphrase it. It's tough to play Texas. It's even yeah. tougher to play Texas when you have 49 scholarship players. Uh, and they just got worn down throughout that game. And, hey, it's all good. They yeah. had a great season. We enjoyed a lot of the wins. Um, that one was going to be tough. And it was a lot tougher when half the scholarship players weren't there for the game. So maybe a little less than half. Four, what would be half? 42? Yeah. Um, so a little bit more than half of the scholarship players but that was going to be a tough game. It was clear what happened in the second half. I think they had a very commendable effort in the first half to even keep that game close. So that's my thoughts on the game. Thoughts on the season. We had a lot of fun. They won four yeah. games. They were ranked um, for two weeks in the college football playoff uh, rankings. I mean, if somebody would have told you that before the season, yeah, um, you would have yeah. taken that immediately. Uh, so it was a great season. We had a ton of fun. But back to the Alamo Bowl. Probably don't want to ever go back to the Alamo Bowl again. <laughs> but um, another really fun season. And I'm excited about the direction of where this program's going. Yeah, I think it was um, th- this season, CU obviously exceeded their expectations. Um, Carl Durrell, people didn't like him as a choice for head coach. He wasn't a splashy hire. Um, makes a lot of people eat crow. Same thing with Sam Neuer. People didn't like Sam Neuer at the beginning of the season. Obviously, the end of the season didn't go as planned, but at the beginning, he was lighting it up, and he looked really good. Um, You had Sefo Lufau saying that in 2016, he had the best mechanics out of all the quarterbacks on the roster at CU. So obviously, um, his stuff looked good this season. Um, yeah, all, all I can say Jared is... Jared Broussard, I think, made a lot of people eat yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people wanted some different guys to start at running back, and he, he well, we were all nowhere and was unstoppable. We were all waiting waiting on Fontenot. Um, yeah, that's and true. We Once were all expecting out, him. Yeah. a lot of things. Um, so Jared Broussard obviously splashed onto the scene. You expect him to make a big step next year. Young wide receiver core, too, with Brendan Rice, with... Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, by the by yeah. the way, if I can interrupt, just the whole running back discussion, because we did talk about Mangum. I don't think Mangum's a big loss at all. You look at who's coming back, Fontenot and Deion Smith. Yeah. Um, which I think Deion Smith's a very good running back. We did, we saw a little bit of him last year, um, but I think he's a very capable back. You and the true freshman. Fontenot. Y- you might have the true freshman. <laughs> well, yeah, you definitely have the true freshman, Jaylee Stacks. Yeah. Um, who showed some uh, serious capabilities of being the fullback. We'll see about a shock late night. I obviously hope he he comes back, but I think that's a little bit up in the air right now. But you have three very good backs, I think, in Fontenot, Broussard, Deion Smith. You throw in Joe Davis, who has shown quite a bit of ability this year, um, and that's four very good backs. Yeah. Hopefully those guys stay more healthy than the running back group, group did this season. Um, one last final thought about this this season, this game. You know, it was great to have fans in today's Alamo Bowl. It was well, so Well, you know, I'm a little fed up of Texas Longhorns fans. But it was good yeah. to see the CU fans. Well, f- let me let me tell you, though. Football is, as someone who's been to CU home games this season, football is not the same without fans in the stadium. And hopefully at this time next year, we're talking to a packed house at Folsom Field. Um we are together more often than... Well, actually, I don't know where I'll be next year, but I don't know where you'll be next year either. Right. Everyone's vaccinated. Everyone can hang out in the stadium together. You can hug each other when the Buffs do good things. 
I just hope, you know, life is better. You can see Darrell's face the entire game. They don't have their masks on. Mm-hmm. I did miss that roar when there's, a big, when there's a big play. Oh, yeah, Ralphie yeah. as well. But, like, just being in the stadium and hearing that loud roar yeah. when there's a huge play, um, I definitely miss that. Even just watching on TV, you don't, you don't get it that way. So, yeah, um, that was great. Obviously, we miss Ralphie. I, I hope they find one that they like, uh, a, a Ralphie 6 to run yeah. next year. Because, um, obviously, that that's the best tradition in college yes. football. Um, f- uh, final thing for everyone watching. Um, it's been a pleasure. We've had a ton of fun doing this podcast. Thanks to uh, Adam, our boss, for putting Chase and I on a podcast again this year. Yeah, that, that was a big decision i'm, I'm yeah. glad he he did that but uh he definitely didn't have to do that and he he knew what he was getting himself into um <laughs> when he put us two together but i think it all worked out forever and we thank you all for uh watching along with us on facebook live we love hearing from you we love hearing you talk about your opinions we love interacting with you all so um it's just been a blast and a pleasure yeah hopefully next year we can have like a full production team we can do some graphics <laughs> we'll be live on instagram and facebook yeah. and i think periscope's dying so i don't want to say that but okay. the new twitter live um we'll be live on all the platforms next year and we'll have a great production team that would pay a ton of money because adam is just racking in the subscribers <laughs> well the buffaloes finished this season four and two go to the alamo bowl lose there um, Sam Neuer, Brendan Lewis play at quarterback. Tyler Lytle, obviously. Transfer portal um, overall. JT Shrout. JT Shrout. Bring is, him in. Yeah. Buffalo's finished second in the Pac-12 South. We'll see what's in store next year. This is Chase Alvin A. Simlot signing off on the Buff Stampede postgame podcast. Stay positive. Test negative. Hello and welcome to this year's final